I'm excited about the Word today. How many of you are excited to receive the Word today? Amen. Let's look in the book of Proverbs chapter number 3. The book of Proverbs chapter number 3. We're going to begin reading with verse 33. The wisdom writer writes, and he says, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Notice that last phrase, he blesses the home of the just. And then he says in chapter 10, in verse number 6, blessings are on the head of the righteous. Father, we thank you for your blessing, Lord. We thank you for the promise of your blessing. God, I just pray today as we endeavor, Lord, to share the word of the Lord that you have laid upon our heart. God, I pray that you will help us Father, to uh, instill these principles in our lives so that we can indeed enjoy your blessing. God, let your anointing rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, give us ears upon our heart to hear the word. God, may we not only listen, not only may we hear today, but may we heed and apply and put into practice the practical application of the word that we receive today. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, last Sunday, I began a message that I called, Position Yourself for Blessing. Position Yourself for Blessing. Now, I want to be abundantly clear this morning. When I talk about blessing, I'm not talking about luxury. I'm not talking about ease. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm not suggesting some magical formula. If you'll do this, if you'll do that, if you'll say this, if you don't say that, that that you can somehow manipulate God and make him uh, jump through hoops for you. That's not what I'm saying and it's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about uh, positioning ourselves for the blessing of the Lord. When I talk about God's blessing, I'm talking about his favor. I'm talking about his help. I'm talking about his influence. I'm talking about uh, his intervention. I'm talking about his provision. I'm talking about his power. I'm talking about his presence. God's blessing on our lives is more about God changing us than it is about him changing our situation. So often we want God to change our situation. And, and so often most of our prayer is asking and begging and pleading with God to change our situation. But what we need to understand is that sometimes the situation that we are begging God to change is the very situation that God is using to change us. See, sometimes God's blessing is when he changes uh, our situation, but sometimes uh, God's blessings uh, is when he uses the situation uh, to change us. And this is why I said last Sunday that, that God's blessings are not random. If you're here this morning, you weren't here last Sunday, you can, you can put that in, in, in your notes that are on the back of your bulletin. God's blessings are not random. God's favor is not without focus. It's not without purpose. God blesses people who have positioned themselves to receive his blessing. Now, in this message, I'm giving you five keys, five keys uh, that will help you to position yourself to be in position uh, so that you can receive God's blessing. 
Let me just do a little recap and just a little quick review of the three keys. We talked about three keys last Sunday, and and then I'm going to give you the last two uh, after I'm finished reviewing the first three. The first thing you need to do this morning, if you're going to position yourself to receive the blessing of God, is you need to dedicate yourself totally to God. Dedicate yourself totally to God. You see, you cannot expect God's blessing if you're not willing to commit your entire life to Him. See, you cannot compartmentalize your life with God. You cannot say, all right, God, uh, you're allowed in this part of my life, but but, but, but I'm not going to allow you into that part. You cannot treat the Ten Commandments like they are the Ten Suggestions. Uh, All right, God, I'll abide by Commandments 1, 3, and 5, but I'm going to skip 2, 4, and 6. You see, you cannot pick and choose which scriptures to live by and which ones to ignore. To position yourself for the blessing of God, you must dedicate yourself totally to God. You must surrender your will to His will. You must pray, even as Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, God, this is what I want. I told you that last Sunday. I I, I pray and I say, God, now this is the way I see it. And God, this is the way I think you ought to do it. And, And God, if you'll just do what I'm telling you, if you'll just follow my plan, I think we'll all be happy and everything will work out all right. And we'll all live happily ever after. But men, God, seldom agree, and men, God, seldom see things the same way. And I've learned over the years to realize that when me and God differ, he's right and I'm wrong. And so even though I still tell God what I want him to do, and even though I still tell God the way I think that he ought to run his business, but before I quit praying, I also pray, all right, God, I've told you my will. I've told you what I want. I've told you what I think. I've outlined the outline for you the way I think it ought to go, but God, your will be done, not mine. God, I've discovered and realized, God, that your way is better than my way, so God, forget what I said and do what you want to do, because what you want to do is better than what I want you to do. Let me understand, you cannot live outside of the parameters of God's will and expect to live under his blessing. The second thing that I think we need to do if we're going to position ourselves for the blessing of God, and that is demand the best of yourself. Demand the best of yourself. Here's what we need to know. God doesn't bless slackers. Here's something else we need to know. God only does what only God can do. We'll say that again. The only thing God does is what he only can do. See, see, you cannot just sit around and pray and ask God to do for you what he has made you capable of doing for yourself. That's called being lazy. I'll never forget several years ago, a gentleman in my church in Midland called me. He wasn't calling for sympathy. He was calling for genuine prayer. And he said, he said, Pastor, he said, you know that I, that, that, that I have my own personal cab, and that's how I make my living and how I feed my family. But he said, I went to get my cab inspected, and they said I could, they couldn't inspect my cab because my tires would not pass inspection, and i got to have a whole new set of tires. And, Pastor, I don't have the money to buy a set of tires for my cab. I don't know what I'm going to do, and I need God to work a miracle in my life because I've got to have the inspection so that I can run my cab business, so that I can pay my bills, so I can feed my family. I said, all right, brother, I'm going to make that a matter of prayer. 
And I did exactly what I said I would do. I said, Lord. And I called the man by name. And I said, you know, he's a faithful man of God. He loves you. He loves his family. He's a hard worker. He's no slacker. And, and God, he has a genuine need here. He needs tires. He needs a new set of tires for his, for his cab so that he can run his business. And God, I just pray that you will provide uh, this, uh, this man, this good godly man, I just pray that you'll provide him a set of tires in Jesus' name. And God said, I'm not going to do it. God said, you buy him a set of tires. I'm telling you. God spoke to my heart. Now, it's not audible, whatever, but in my heart and in my knower, God said to me, why are you asking me to do something that you're not willing to do? You want me to do what you're not willing to do. You go buy the man a set of tires. You got the money in the bank, go buy him a set of tires. Guess what? I bought the man a set of tires. See, God only does what only God can do. He expects us to do what he has made us capable of. So stop whining and crying and complaining because God is not answering your prayer. Amen. When it's within your capability, it's within your, uh, your power, it's within you to do what you're asking God to do. God's not going to do what you can do. He's going to do what you can't. He's going to expect you to do everything you can do. And then what you cannot do, he's going to add his blessing and his favor upon it. In order for us to position ourselves for God's blessing, we must do the very best we can with what we have been given. Let me tell you this this morning. God never compares us with anyone else. Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad that God never compares me with with Mark or Bill or John or or, or Sue, or Alice, or Sarah. God, God will never compare you with anybody else. But he will compare you. He will compare you and where you are and what you're doing. He will compare you where you are with your potential. He will see where you are and he will compare that to where you could be, where you should be, where you ought to be. God will never compare you with anyone else, but he will compare you with your possibility. Jesus said, where much is given, much is going to be required. All right, the third thing that we can do to position ourselves for God's blessing, we talked about it last week as well, and that is deposit the right ingredients into your life. Deposit the right ingredients into your life. I told you last Sunday that the end result of anything will be determined by the quality of the ingredients that have been placed into it. The result of anything, doesn't matter what it is, whether you're baking a cake, whether you're building an automobile, whether you're building a house, the end result of anything will be determined by the quality of the ingredients that has been placed into it. People who deposit quality ingredients into their lives position themselves to receive God's blessing. Now, last Sunday, we talked about four key ingredients that we need, we need to deposit into our lives. The first one is right people. Right people. People will make you or they will break you. I love what Jim Rohn said. Jim Rohn said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
Say, Pastor, I don't know who I am. I'll tell you who you are. Take the five people that you spend the most time with. You add all five of those people together, and then you divide by five, and that's you. The second one is right principles. The Bible is filled with godly principles. Living our lives according to these principles position us to receive God's blessing. Living life God's way is a guarantee of His his blessing. Now remember, blessing means His help. It means His favor. It means His presence. It means His enablement. It means His power. Problems and perplexities and pain will visit every single life. There is no exception. But the difference is those who live with God's blessing, they receive His help and they receive His favor and they receive His presence and they receive His power to overcome difficult situations. Another key ingredient is right priorities. Right priorities. It has been rightly said God will be Lord of all or He won't be Lord at all. See, God is not willing to play a supporting role in your life. He will have the lead part or he will have no part at all. God said you shall have no other gods before me. And no other gods means not the God of sports. Not the God of recreation, not the God of money, not the, not the God of lust, or, 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 and the list goes on and on and on. To position yourself to receive God's blessing, you must deposit right priorities in your life. And then finally, right places. Right places. See, God's perfect plan for you includes the right place. I'll say that again this morning. God's perfect plan for you includes the right place. And what you need to understand is that God's provision can be found at God's place. If you're at God's place, you will enjoy God's provision. Elijah, we talked about it last Sunday, but Elijah found his provision. He found it at the brook, but when the brook dried up, he also found it at Zarephath. He found his provision both at the brook and at Zarephath because they were the right places for him at the right time. God said to him, go to the brook and I will provide for you there. There. God didn't say, hey, Elijah, just go anywhere you want to. Just just go anywhere and you'll have my provision. No, God said to him specifically, he said, if you'll go down to the brook, Kirith, he said, I will feed you there. And then the Bible said when the brook dried up that God spoke to Elijah again. And he said to go to Zarephath. And he said, at Zarephath, he said, you're going to find a little widow lady. And he said, I'm going to use that little widow lady and she is going to sustain you there. There. The brook And the widow, the brook, and Zarephath were their places for Elijah. And when he was sent there by God, and when he went there in obedience to God, he found his provision 
there. I want to tell you this morning, God has a there place for you and God has a there place for me. And you need to ask God to lead you to your there place because at the there place you'll find everything you need for your life. At the there place you'll find everything that you need to do your ministry because you'll find provision at the there place. The there place will come with God's provision. The there place for Peter was among the Jews. The there place for Paul was among the Gentiles. Both of these extraordinary, extraordinary, powerful, great men of God, mightily used of God. And it was because they positioned themselves for God's blessing by depositing right places into their lives. They found the there place. They found the place that God had called them to. And they, and, and they plugged into the there place. And because they plugged into the there place, they had everything that they needed for their life and for their ministry and had incredible impact for the glory of God. Now, this is just an overview of last Sunday. Please, please, if you were not here last Sunday, go to our website and listen to last week's message. There's some some powerful, life-changing principles and things in that message that I don't have time to re-preach this morning. Please go and listen to those three points in their entirety. All right, let's move on this morning. Notice the fourth thing you need to do in order to position yourself for God's blessing. Detach yourself from negative influences. Detach yourself from negative influences. You see, just as it is very important what we deposit into our lives, it's just as important what we don't deposit. See, good stuff in equals good stuff out. Bad stuff in equals bad stuff out. So ask yourself these two questions. Ask yourself, who pulls you down? Who who pulls you down? Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26 says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship. Ask yourself, who pulls me down? Who are the negative influencers in my life? Remember, remember you are the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. That's you. And you need to ask yourself, out of those people that I'm hanging out with, who pulls me down? Who are the negative influencers in my life? Who drags me down spiritually? I could be having a great time one-on-one with God. And, man, I'm doing great. Man, I can go to youth group. And, man, Pastor Steve can, can preach a powerful, convicting message. Man, I'm first at the altar, man. And I get down there and I weep and I cry and I commit myself to God and I repent of my sin. And, man, I'm, I'm on the right track and I'm doing well. And then we dismiss and I get back with the same negative influencer. Man, I can, go to, I can go to camp, man, and I get all fired up at camp, man. Everybody gets saved at camp. I got saved 372 times at camp, man. I know all about it. Man, you can go to camp, you can get all saved. And Man, what the good thing about camp is it's reverse peer pressure. 
You know, there's those, you know, by the first night, you know, half of them have repented. By the second night, two-thirds, and then there's a few that are just hanging on. Man, I'm not going to give in this time. I always do. I'm not going to. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to be a sinner all week. I came a sinner. I'm going to leave a sinner. Man, the reverse peer pressure. And there you find yourself slinging snot at the altar. I don't know if they still do that anymore. We did that when I was a kid. You're a lot more cool than we were. Ask yourself, who pulls you down? Who drags me down spiritually? Who tempts me to go beyond the boundaries of God's word? Who tempts me to sin? Who gets me into trouble? Ask yourself, who drags me down emotionally? Who makes me feel inferior? Who laughs at my dreams? Oh, oh, who tells me why I can't? Oh, why I can't do what God has placed in my heart to do? Who pulls you? Who, da- who pulls you down? Who is it in your life that magnifies the negatives instead of the positives? Who is it that makes you feel like you are dragging a ball and chain around behind you when you're with them? Maybe you need to detach yourself from this negative influence. Ask yourself this question. What pulls you away? What pulls you away? James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15, a very powerful scripture. I love this scripture. James says each person is tempted when by his own evil desires they are dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. But I want us to notice two powerful life-changing liberating phrases. First of all I want you to notice the phrase by their own desires they are dragged away. Say own desires. By their own desires, they are dragged away. All of us have our own individual desires and tendencies to sin. All of us do. Every one of us. Now, what entices you may not entice me. And what revs up my engine might not rev up your engine at all. But all of us have desires and tendencies that are not good. In fact, they are evil. They are wicked. They are sinful. But I want you to understand that the desire or the tendency in and of itself is not sin. Just because you have the desire to lust, that in and of itself is not sin. If you're a man, 99% of you will have the tendency or the desire to lust. The other percentage will lie. Just because you have the desire to lust is not sin. You only sin if you give in to your desire and actually do lust. Lust is a sin. But the desire to lust is not. The temptation to lust is not. It is the devil's job to tempt us. And to tempt us in the area of our tendency or our desire. Notice the next phrase. After desire has conceived, then, say then, then it gives birth to sin. 
See, only after desire has conceived, only when you give in to evil desires do you sin. So the temptation to sin, the desire to sin, the tendency to sin is not sin. It's only after we give in to the tendency, only when we give in to the temptation, then and only then does it become sin. Amen? How many still with me this morning? So what do we do about it? We ask ourselves, what pulls me away? Where am I vulnerable to sin in my life? Which evil desires, which evil tendencies do I possess? And once I recognize my evil desires and my evil tendencies, I then detach myself from these negative influences. See, I don't set myself up for failure by positioning myself close to these negative influences. Rather, I set myself up for success by detaching myself from these negative influences. For an example, the boyfriend and the girlfriend who have compromised their morals in the past. They must refuse to be alone. They must either break up or only go out in group settings. Because if you've already gone too far in this area and then you get with them by themselves, you ain't going back. You've set yourself up for failure. Don't set yourself up for failure. Amen. The alcoholic that has been delivered must not hang out with people who drink. The person that has a tendency to be negative cannot hang out with other negative, critical people. Ask yourself, what pulls me away? This would have been a good question for for people like Samson and Lot's wife and, and, and Demas to have asked themselves. I'm trying to get you into position to receive God's blessing. Not everyone lives under the blessing of God. Only those who position themselves to receive the blessing of God will live under the blessing of the Lord. Those who deliberately detach themselves from negative influencers. Those who discover who pulls them down and what pulls them away. And then they act upon their findings. They will set themselves up for the blessing of God. They will put themselves in a position where God will bless their life. Let's look at the fifth thing we can do to position ourselves for God's blessing. Number five, develop your strengths. We've talked about this before, but it's good to hear it again. Some of you act like you've never heard it before. Proverbs 1 and 5 say, let the wise listen and add to their learning. While you think if a man's wise, he'd be doing all the talking. Well, the reason why he is wise is because he hadn't done all the talking. How many know you're not going to learn anything as long as your mouth is open? As long as you're talking, you're not learning anything. You're just talking out of what you already know. The only way you will, you will find something that you don't already know is if you open your ears and not your mouth. Proverbs 9 and 9 says, instruct the wise men, he'll even be wiser. 
I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. Your strengths are a clue to your destiny. Your strengths are a clue to your destiny. So you need to discover what your strengths are. And once you discover them, then you need to start developing them. See, God gave you your strengths for a reason. And the reason is he wants to use you. And he wants to use you in the area of your strengths. But but pastor, how do I discover my strengths? Well, by asking questions. Questions like, what am I good at? Where do I excel? What what comes easy for me? What comes natural to me? What do other people say I'm good at? What do I get recognized for? See, you might think you're good at something, but if you're not getting recognized, people aren't recognized. Nobody's ever told me, man, you can really draw. I don't even like playing Pictionary because I can't even draw a good thick man. I'm serious. You might think you're a good singer. But if people aren't telling you you are, you're not. If nobody's asking you to sing, there's your sign. Hey, if you don't like people, probably don't need to go into sales. If you're not good with with facts and figures, an accountant, you should not be. God's blessing can be found among your strengths. He gave them to you. For a reason, for a purpose. He wants to use you in the area of your strengths. God's purpose for your life will line up with your strengths. I've been called a bulldog. That's okay. It doesn't offend me for two reasons. There's two reasons why I'm not offended when I've been called a bulldog. Number one, I've never bitten anyone. Occasionally, I growl. I growled a little this morning. Pastor Steve heard me growl. I'm a bulldog, but I've never bitten anybody. I growl every once in a while. As long as they growl and don't bite, you know, they're all right. And the second reason I don't get offended that I've been called a bulldog is because the places that God has put me the past 40 plus years required a bulldog. A basset hound could not get the job done. (laughs) If you want to position yourself to receive God's blessing, you must develop your strengths. Discover what they are, align your life's work accordingly, and then continually develop your strengths. But pastor, what do I do about my weaknesses? Now, when I'm talking about weaknesses now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about abilities. So remember this. I'm not talking about Weakness is the area of sin. I'm talking about weakness in the area of abilities. 
What do I do about my weaknesses? Well, three things. Let me give you three suggestions. Number one, manage your weaknesses. Manage them. It's not that we ignore them. It's not that we don't work on them at all. Just don't make them your focus. Just don't make them your focus. You see, we will never excel in the area of our weakness. Even if we work 24-7 on our weaknesses, the best we will ever do in the weaker areas of our life, the best we will ever do is become average. The only way that we are going to excel, the only way that we are going to do something over the top, the only way that we are going to do something incredible is if we discover what our strengths are and we develop those strengths and we get those strengths to be as strong as they can possibly be. Because that's the area where we're going to excel. What do we do about our weaknesses? Well, you can manage them. Number two, staff your weaknesses. Staff your weaknesses. See, a quality administrative assistant can make a highly unorganized person look highly organized. I remember many years ago, I was in the office of a, of a, of a larger church and I had a lunch date with one of the staff members. Didn't know them that well, just getting to know them. And the pastor's wife, Standing there, and I said, "Yeah, I'm having, I'm having lunch with the pastor," and I named it, gave his name, and we talked a little bit. And I said, "Man, he just got his act together. Man, he just seems so organized." And she just started laughing. <laughs> oh, brother Mike, you don't have a clue. He's one of the most unorganized staff members we have. But I, know, I knew he had his ducks, but you know what? He had a great administrative assistant. And this ma- administrative assistant made this dude look very highly organized when he was very unorganized. A quality administrative assistant can make a highly unorganized person look highly organized. A highly organized leader might need to hire a great people person. For their assistant. Just saying. What, what do I do about my weaknesses? Number three, delegate your weaknesses. See, there are people in your family, there are people in your organization who are strong in the areas where you are weak. So you need to find them and you need to train them and then you need to empower them to do the job. Your goal is to eventually only do what you're only good at. Years ago I had an evangelist. We were in revival. We were talking one day and he said to me, he said, I believe that it's come to a point in my ministry when I'm going to have to make a choice between singing and preaching. He was a singer-songwriter And he preached. And he said, what would you suggest? I said, sing. (laughs) He was a great singer, accomplished songwriter. His preaching ability was subpar. Soar with your strengths. Soar with your strengths. 
manage staff and delegate your weaknesses. Just trying to get you in position today for the blessing of God. Trying to get you in position so that you can receive the blessing of the Lord. Amen. We've got 10 people to baptize today, so if you're going to be baptized, yeah. If you're going to be baptized this morning, I want you to go right out this door to my right here very quickly, very quietly, and whoever else is helping with the, with the baptism this morning. And get in place as quickly as you possibly Possibly can. I'm not through here. I'm just trying to expedite things here, so don't zone out on me. The title of my message today is Position Yourself for Blessing. See, God's blessings are not random. His favor is not without focus. His favor is is not without purpose. God blesses, he favors, he, he empowers people who, who, who get themselves in position to receive his blessing. And his blessing is not money, his blessing is not possessions, his, his blessing is not exalted position. Oh, oh, it might include these things, all these things may, and certainly usually they do accompany his blessing. But his blessing is most of all his presence. Most of all, in His presence. And oh, if we have His presence, if we have, if we have His presence, then we have everything we need to overcome any obstacle. Oh, we have everything that we need all to come out on top in any given situation. I'm asking you this morning, who is willing today to do what is necessary? Who is willing this morning to get yourself in position? To get yourself in position so, so that you can have God's blessing, so you can have God's favor, so you'll enjoy God's presence, so you'll have God's provision, so you'll have God's power. Who is willing this morning, who has a desire today to position themselves to be in the presence? Can I get the worship team back up here, please? Real quickly, I, I was going to bring you back a moment ago and forgot, so I need you to like go fast, fast, fast. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes this morning? In a a congregation of this size, I know there's somebody, probably several somebodies today. You have never placed yourself in position to go to heaven. You have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Today is the day when you need to get yourself in position so that when you die or when Jesus comes that, that, that you'll be in a position where the Lord can take you and not leave you. That you can go to heaven and not go to hell. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this room today, I wonder if there's one or several here this morning. You would lift your hand up. You'd lift it up real high and let me recognize you. Raise it. I'm not going to call you out or call your name or embarrass you, but just recognize that someone raised their hand. If that's you today, you've never positioned yourself in the area of salvation. God bless you, sir. You can put your hand down now. How many others this morning? Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down now. How many others this morning? Two gentlemen this morning. How many others today? Thank you back in the back. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. 
How many others today? How many others today? There's three, three grown men that have lifted their hand this morning. How many others this morning? How many others today? How many others? Anyone else in this room this morning? Anyone else in this room today? I'd like for everyone to stand with me this morning. I promised I would not single you out. I would not call you forward, so I'm not going to do that. But I want to have a prayer with you this morning, but not just with you. I want everyone to pray a prayer with me this morning. We're going to pray what is called the sinner's prayer. There's no magic in a prayer, no magic in any words. All I'm asking you to do this morning is to confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus is the Son of God and that he did for you on the cross what you could never, ever do for yourself. And you place your faith, your trust, your hope, your confidence for your salvation. You place it upon Jesus and his finished work on the cross. That's what we're doing in this prayer. So those three men that prayed this prayer or that lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer out loud, but everyone's going to pray it with you so you're not going to be singled out. Everyone pray this prayer, but don't just pray it from your lips. Pray it from in here and mean it with all your heart. Because if all you do is pray a prayer and you don't mean what you pray, it hasn't done anything. It's only if you mean it in your heart, God changes you from the inside out. So everyone, repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, recognize that I'm a sinner today. I recognize that I'm a sinner today. Nothing I can do to save myself. But I am grateful that I don't have to save myself. I believe that Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. I believe Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth. I believe He lived a sinless life. I believe that He went to the cross. I believe God placed my sin upon Jesus on the cross. I believe Jesus paid my punishment for my sin. So I place my faith my trust, my confidence in what Jesus did for me on the cross. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. From this moment on, I make Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer from your heart and meant it with all of your heart, God heard your prayer and God saved you today. He saved you today. And from this point on, you need to be baptized in water. The Bible says to be baptized in water. In fact, we're baptizing people, so if you don't mind getting wet, just go out that door right there and just say, I want to get baptized today. We'll baptize you today. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Amen. You might go home wet, but you'll go home happy. And it's warm outside. It's not cold out there, so you can. Let me tell you this also, that at the very end of the service, right over here on this exit sign here, there's going to be some men. All right? All right. Pastor Sean, help him out. Amen. Who else? Come on. Come on, man. You want to get baptized today? No, okay. Another time. All right. All right. How about back here? Anybody back here? All right. That's cool. Play church really ought to work. prayed that prayer with me this morning and you meant in your heart I'll tell you at the very conclusion of the service after the last amen is said there's going to be some people standing right over here by this exit sign and I want you to go, with, go over there the Bible says that we are to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and I want you to go over there and just tell those guys don't be embarrassed there's a couple of guys they're going to love they're going to be excited just tell them that the Lord saved you and just let them talk with you a little bit and 
help you a little bit, that'd be awesome. That would be, that would be wonderful. Amen.